The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. As we move our way through the AFC North, we now shine a light on the Baltimore Ravens, who are looking to regain their place on top of the division and on top of the AFC. Can Flacco lead the Ravens back to glory, or will they fall short once again? Matthew Stevens from Ravens Wire joins us on the AFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Three down, one to go here in the AFC North, or actually I should say two down with two to go, this being number three with one to go after this. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. Back, part three of the AFC North preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, talking this time about the Baltimore Ravens, who finished second in the division last year, 8-8, eight and eight, got off to a wicked 3-0 and start last season, and then just kind of fell apart after that matt stevens from ravenswire.com uh of usa today will be joining us here uh in a few minutes to uh go through that season and um the off season and uh to look ahead at the schedule uh for these 2017 ravens they had a very interesting off season and, and one that uh that you hear me talk about uh in the interview i kind of mentioned how it mirrored the bears in a way whereas it looked like going into the offseason where the Ravens want to focus their interest is with Steve Smith retiring uh, and, and um, you know, the, the lack of running game, the third fewest carries in football last year. You want to look at a running back, maybe an impact player on, on the wide receiver front, uh, whether in free agency or in the draft. And they did neither. I mean, does that sound familiar to you, Bears fans? You want the Bears to focus on the secondary to get us an impact player on the defensive side of the ball. It was there to be had. This is one of the richest free agent, you know, crops of defensive backs that hit the market this offseason. It was deep in defensive backs in the draft, and one of the best one in recent years was there to be had when the Bears were picking, and we didn't take him. We went the opposite way with quarterback, tight end, running back, so on. Uh, on the on the offensive side, when you wanted to see the Bears focus a bit more uh, on defense, the opposite happened with the Ravens. You want to see the Ravens focus more on offense. Their first four draft choices, defensive players. And finally, the offensive player that they took was an offensive lineman. So nowhere near the focus of what they wanted to be working on. But they did have Jeremy Macklin fall in their laps. We were talking about that uh, on the last episode how he had just become uh, a free agent. The Ravens were on his wish list, um, left Baltimore without a contract, went and visited Buffalo, ended up signing with the Ravens just a couple days ago, a uh, two-year deal uh, for, for Macklin. Now there's also talk about possibly Eric Decker joining the fold in, in Baltimore. So uh, we also talk a bit about how Ozzie Newsom uh, is either a mad genius or one of the most lucky uh, you know, lucky uh, general managers on the face of the planet to have guys like Macklin and Decker falling into his lap at this point in the offseason. And, um, you know, also with some of his draft choices, I've seen that happen a million times where somebody that I wanted, somebody I thought would be good for the Bears ends up falling into Ozzie Newsom's lap and he becomes somewhat of a stud uh, for the Ravens. So, I mean, I've just seen it happen too many times the guy's got the patience of a monk you don't not you don't you do not see Ozzy Newsom jumping up in the draft to go and get players it just doesn't happen he will sit and wait for them to come to him and for some reason they always do so I mean it drives me crazy so all the respect in the world that I have for Ozzy Newsom and what he's been able to do in his tenure with the Baltimore Ravens like how does this keep happening over and over to the point where it's become like his reputation 
you know, almost almost like he's a character of his former self as far as just waiting for these things to fall into his lap. But it keeps happening. You know, for example, their third round pick, Tim Williams, the linebacker out of Alabama, one of the best pure pass rushers in the draft. He gets him in the third round. And then to have wide receiver issues with Steve Smith retiring, you know, Mike Wallace is getting up there in years. Uh, Brashard Perryman is, is only a third year player, but like Kevin White, a first round pick in 2015 has either been injured or unspectacular in his first couple of seasons. You know, to have a guy like Macklin and Decker, proven veterans, granted with with some injury histories, but proven veterans uh, who are quality players to fall into your lap uh, at this late juncture in the uh, in the offseason. Just amazing. Just amazing. So but uh, hasn't pulled the trigger on Decker yet, but he does have Macklin. He is a Baltimore Raven. So just a couple of quick things we want to go over before we dive into our conversation with uh with Matt, the Bears did close out their mandatory mini camp, so they are officially on vacation until things kick off at the end of July in Bourbonnet for training camp to get everything underway. So pretty much nothing going to be happening in the world of the NFL for the next six weeks except these shows. So please come back and keep listening. The, ball, the Pittsburgh Steelers are up next after we get done uh, here with the, uh, with the Ravens. But... Um, you know, one thing interesting, a headline that's kind of um, been out there the last couple of days uh, about Ro- Leonard Floyd and the fact that he suffered two concussions last year. The second one happening in the uh, Week 16 matchup, I think it was Week 16 Green Bay. I think it was. I don't remember. But uh, second to last game of the season, he uh, decides to crash head on into Akeem Hicks, uh, gave himself a concussion, didn't play Week 17 uh, against the uh, Vikings, not that it would have mattered, but um, said it took him two months to be 100% after that concussion. So two months, it's late February, you know, early March by the time he's been able to shake the cobwebs loose and he's able to to have his bearings about him. He said that, you know, the, the way that he thinks and the way that he would talk to people changed. Like he would be sitting there talking to you, then all of a sudden he would just kind of drift off uh, in, into into space, not exactly something you want to hear from somebody who has to run headfirst into people for a living. So, um, you know, uh, basically to, to to sum it up, he's doing fine now. He's one hundred percent. He's raring and and ready to go. And uh, the Bears are looking to uh, basically teach the kid better technique because both times that he got himself hurt. Uh, he led with the crown of his helmet. Basically, he put his head down and drove it into whatever he ran into. I think both times it was Akeem Hicks. Um, you know, it was kind of friendly fire that knocked him out uh, both times. Also, um, if the reports are true, he's put on anywhere from 15 to 20 pounds of muscle this year. So he's got a little bit more cushion. Obviously, that cushion doesn't go into your brain uh, or anything. But when you're a little light in the ass, things like that tend to happen to you, uh, which he definitely was last year. I mean, this is a defensive end slash outside linebacker that was struggling, struggling to stay above 240. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. 
last year. I mean, he was probably 235 most of the season last year, and he looked like he looked like a bobblehead doll out there. I mean, he's he's in great shape. He's got those long, lanky arms, but he was so skinny, you know, and he's got this big head, or at least the helmet making his head look huge. He looked like a bobblehead doll out there on the field most days. So hopefully he is uh, he was able to fill out with a full offseason uh, program to add some uh, some muscle uh, to that frame and didn't lose much of a step uh, to go along with the uh, with the added weight and um, that and and shoring up his technique to uh, you know as as they say when you're uh, when you're in pee wee football to see what you hit and like make sure that your head is up instead of putting your head down like your uh, juggernaut from the X Men and you know just lowering your head and banging into things in front of you so um, you know he says he's ready to go the Bears are aware of the issue and they're doing what they can to correct it to make sure we get a long healthy career uh, out of this kid and uh, you know we're not uh, donating his brain to science to study the level of CTE that he had when he passed away kind of thing so uh, hopefully things will uh, turn out well there and like I said um, the Bears broke camp today they're they're three-day minicamp from Tuesday to Thursday finally wrapped up this morning Uh, coach Fox uh, quoted as saying I think we're furthest along we are the furthest along that we've been at least in our tenure here now granted you're supposed to hear your head coach say things like that but it is decent you know of to to hear him say those things um you know he's uh vowing that the bears will be ready when they come back um you know the the one big thing that i guess we as bear fans will need to watch between now and training camp not that it's really anything to be concerned about with because with the current structure it's it really hasn't been an issue joey bosa last year was the exception not the rule but uh mitch trubisky the number two overall pick and our quarterback um still hasn't signed his rookie deal yet so um i'm sure that uh, that's probably more of a language thing than a numbers thing because of the rookie salary cap but we'll get the hopefully they'll get the language together we've got like six weeks between now and training camp starting at the end of july so if i'm not mistaken everybody else is signed i think trubisky's the only one out there as far as the bears rookie class is concerned so um nothing else really going on as far as i can see in uh in the world of our beloved chicago bears like i said they broke camp um hearing things like uh tariq cohen was noticeable on the field and uh not to sound like an insensitive prick but he's five foot six and uh those things tend to grab your attention when they're moving around the field so um you know when you're when you're looking at one of the lollipop guild uh, running around the uh, field it's uh it's gonna it's gonna steal your glance you know it's just one of those things that's you know like watching something moving around in the tall weeds you just can't wait to see what it is when it comes out the other side kind of thing you can see it kind of moving within and you're waiting for it to finally come out and reveal itself and you know and, and it's an alien that's running around like, have you ever seen signs the movie the alien that comes out of the the corn stalks and stuff like that it's, it's a great movie actually one of the one of the last movies that M. Night Shyamalan made before Split that didn't suck. So, uh, but that's just my two cents on that. So, I'm in a mood today. Can you tell? Um, a little bit upset, to be honest with you. And I'm just going to share this with you. I know some of you have told me not to do this, but um, I have to make note of it. Um, the um, connection between myself and Matt wasn't the greatest. Um, I think it's on my end, to be honest with you, as far as... Uh, I'm calling him from Skype, and I think maybe it was a, an internet issue, but we had some, some gaps in there, and you'll, you'll hear it. Uh, so I just wanted to make you aware that I am aware of it. So, um, you know, I do my best to, uh, to edit the gaps out uh, to try to make the conversation sound as coherent as possible, but uh, I can only do so much. So, But I, I was a little upset. So we were having a great conversation, and we kept losing bits and pieces of it because of the technical uh issues so one of these days i'm going to have a technical issue free uh episode you know and um one of these days i'll figure out how i can uh do that so i can stop talking about it for one and uh we can just have a show and get on with business you know what i'm saying anyway speaking of uh speaking of having conversations um matt stevens was a great guest on the show i look forward to having him back um week number six when the bears and the ravens play uh this season this time in baltimore the last time we faced each other was that would you guys remember in 2013 that was the rain delay game where they actually suspended play for like two hours 
and uh, the Bears and the Ravens playing that quagmire of a of a football field because the rain just ravaged an already crappy Soldier Field uh, turf situation. Uh, the Bears ended up winning, I believe, in overtime uh, in that game. And uh, the the couple things I remember about that game, one was was the the rain, the the situation. It was like an hour and a half, two hour uh, delay because of lightning and everything. And the other thing was David Bass, if you guys remember that name, David Bass intercepting a pass for a touchdown, I believe, um, you know, to to, to help the Bears uh, win that football game uh, in 2013. That was in Soldier Field. So the last time that we were in Baltimore, we got our asses handed to us uh, in 2009. So we'll see uh, we'll see how what we can do about avoiding that uh, this year. And, um, you know, but I enjoyed talking to Matt. Great sense of humor and uh, definitely knows what he's talking about. So we'll uh, step aside and welcome Matt Stevens from RavensWire.com to talk about 2017 Baltimore Ravens. And as we move along, our preview of the AFC North. Here we are, part number three, with last year's second-place finisher in the Baltimore Ravens. And to help us preview these Baltimore Ravens, uh, we got uh, Matthew Stevens from RavensWire.com here to to help us with that. And Matt, welcome to the Chicago Bears Review. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, it's my pleasure to have you on. And with all of our new guests, what we like to do is kind of get a little background uh, on you. Um, and what, especially for someone who is a fan of teams like the Texans or the Panthers or the Ravens and, you know, teams that really, for the most part, I mean, I'm 39, so the Ravens didn't exist when I was a kid. The Panthers didn't exist, the Texans, so on and so forth. So how does one become a fan of the Ravens? Are you from Baltimore and you finally had a team show up or were you a Colts fan and they left and then the Ravens came into town? How does, how did you become a Ravens fan? Well, I'm I'm 30, so just like you, when I was a young kid, Baltimore didn't have a team. Of course, you know you you hear from the elders of, of the Colts, and they're leaving in the middle of the night, and you know the sour grapes that was there. Right. Uh, but when when Baltimore finally got a team, uh, uh, it was kind of just a huge thing that just the city rallied around the Ravens uh, and picked things up. Now, if you're a fan of other teams and, and you want to know why you should root for the Ravens, I mean, in 20 years. Uh, I think this is what their 21st year of being in existence. Um, they, they've won two Super Bowls. They've been to numerous AFC championship games. Uh, they they kind of epitomize a lot of what is old school football in the fact that they're hard running. They're going to stick with that run, the power O a lot of the times, uh, and and a smack you in the mouth as much as possible. Uh, you know that type of thing. And I think while they don't make for for high flying exciting games new fans uh, aren't exactly big on that slow pace i think the the older fans the the ones that have been around the nfl for a little while appreciate that cold weather you know a uh, 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 snot rocking type of of football that uh you know used to be in existence and isn't so much anymore well not to mention the the rivalry that they have with the with the steelers is one of the premier matchups in in football absolutely i, I think it probably the two games that they play every single year, sometimes three, if it's a good year for both teams, right, uh, are easily the the top five games in the top five games throughout the entire NFL. Those are always good. They are always hotly contested uh, until the, the final seconds. Uh, regardless of how either team is doing record wise, they're always going to be a good game. Um, so those those are always games you should watch, regardless of who you root for. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I- I always look forward to them, especially when they when they manage to get it onto a a Sunday night or something like that. It's always a it's always a good watch, uh, especially on the yeah. national TV games. So, do you have a favorite uh, favorite uh, Ravens moment? Is it you know Super Bowl thirty five? Would it be you know winning in forty seven? I mean, wh- which one? I mean, what 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 is a favorite Ravens moment for you? That's that's a really good and really tough question. I mean, there's there's so many of them, and obviously over. 21 years of watching this team there's a lot that i can point out but i mean i'd have to say as from a from a, a a moment standpoint probably the the my most favorite moment is, is when ray lewis 
smacked uh, running back, Tennessee Titans running back, Eddie George, knocked him down, and then George didn't want to come back out on the field. And at the time, I mean, Eddie George was kind of like, you know, an Adrian Peterson in his prime type for for the league. He was the guy. Um, So kind of making another grown man not wanting to have to come out back onto that field, that's an impressive feat. And then to make it, you know, being one of the, the top running backs in the league at the time is even more impressive. And again, it goes back to that whole, you know, Baltimore's defense has always been like that. And uh, I think, I think, yeah, if, if you're looking for a moment from, from a Baltimore Ravens standpoint uh, that defines them as a franchise, that's probably the one that you're not going to hear too often, but almost every Ravens fan will agree with is, is one of the best ones. When did that happen again? Oh, it had to have been like in the nineties. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's when the, the Tennessee Titans, they were a relatively new franchise, I think, at the time after being you know, the Houston Oilers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was during Eddie George's prime. So yeah, that had to have been during like the late nineties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe awesome. early two thousands. Maybe, but. Right. Um. Yeah. No, that's definitely. Uh, that would definitely be a keeper moment uh, for sure. Um, I think um, if I had to pick one i would go with uh i I think it was an afc championship game where um where shannon sharp caught a a pass went 92 yards for a touchdown or something like i think it was the afc championship game against the raiders um watching 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 him outrun the entire you know raider defense a huge offensive play by this significantly defensive team in 2000 to blow that game wide open you know, on the road in the AFC championship game against one of the best offenses uh, in football and for them to, you know, to ragdoll the Raiders and, and have that be one of the defining moments of the game, be one of the oldest guys on the field, outrun the entire Raiders defense for that huge offensive play, you know, when that entire season was defined by defense. So, you know, I always thought that was so cool, especially for, I'd always been a fan of Shannon Sharp. I've actually become a less of a fan of him since he started broadcasting, but yeah. I was always a fan of his when he <laughs> yeah. was a football player because I thought he was just so great. And for, for him to be able to leave Denver and then go to Baltimore and have that work out for him the way it did, I was, you know, I was particularly happy for him on, on that day, especially to make a play like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's another one of those huge ones. And again, it's, it's, it's one that I think you know, most Ravens fans probably wouldn't pick out on their own but as soon as you mention it, it's going just like me. Absolutely, I remember that moment. And uh, what made it even more special or even more amazing is the fact that this is an offense that was. Uh, I've gone back and watched that Super Bowl. Uh, it was abysmal. I've seen high school quarterbacks, high school offenses do better. <laughs> and even in that game, I mean, Baltimore dominated the Giants the entire game long. So the fact that it was like, you know, it was just, it was terrible. I tried uh, uh, rewatching that and it's. It's difficult, even as a Ravens fan, and knowing what the outcome's going to be, you can't help but still get angry at Trent Dilfer three quarters of the way through the game. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and everyone was so shocked that uh, they let Dilfer go uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the season. It's like you know, the defense can only carry you so far. I mean, they were one of the best. <laughs> I mean, the arguments constantly made. I mean, me being a Bear fan, it's the '85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens as far as the conversation of the best defenses of all time. You know, but the Bears in '85 also had Walter Payton and Jim McMahon. The Bears had an offense; they were one of the highest scoring teams in the NFL that year in '85. So the fact that they had that defense was just icing on the cake. The Ravens, without that defense, don't go anywhere near as far as they did because the offense. I what was the in in 2000? They went like what five games without scoring a touchdown or something like that, and then they went like three and one or four and one in that five game stretch. That's that's all defense right there. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, I think it was like five or seven games, and it was only by field goals. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, the, the great Matt Stover kicking field goals that was essentially winning games, and they won a majority of those games, um, which, again, is, like you said, is, is spectacular. If they had even a mediocre defense, even even a good defense, you're, you, I mean, they, they missed the playoffs completely, right. and you never have that Super Bowl moment. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how great that defense really was um, and how consistently great it was all season long. And, and it's kind of rare to have from, from any defense nowadays. There's, there's usually those ups and downs. And the thing that people always constantly forget about that team is that they were a wild card team. They didn't even win their division that year. 
Like that's yeah. they, they had to they had to get in through the back door as a wild card team in order to make that run uh, to the defense because they they didn't make they didn't win their uh, they didn't win their division that season. Was that was that the was that the AFC Central? Were yeah. they still in the Central back then? Yeah, I believe it was 2000, the Central. Yeah, yeah, it was still, I, I, yeah. yep. Yeah, because they basically went from being the Browns to the Ravens and stayed in division. So, but um, to move forward, yeah. we go to 2016. And when I was looking at the win loss record, I had forgotten that the Ravens started out three and zero last year. I mean, the margins were slim: thirteen to seven, twenty-five to twenty, nineteen to seventeen. So I guess these are games that could have gone either way. But the Ravens start three and zero. They win at home against Buffalo at Cleveland. No big surprise there. And then at Jacksonville. And the, what's significant about those two road wins is that they were the only ones the Ravens had all season. They went 0-6 on the road the rest of the way. It's like they were great at defending the home turf, 6-2. and And then after winning those first two home games against two of the worst teams in the AFC, they went 0-6 the rest of the way. And that's why they ended up being a 500 football team is because they couldn't win games away from home. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the Ravens have always been significantly better at home than away, uh, but you kind of got the biggest taste of that 2016, where yeah, they, they couldn't, they couldn't really beat anyone away from home, and it, uh, it was it was kind of nasty. I mean, even including like a team like the the New York Jets, they lost to at uh, at the New York Jets. So, um, if that doesn't kind of tell you a little bit about what happened last season, <laughs> I don't know what does. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm and I'm looking at the schedule, and like I said, with the first three games, you know, thirteen to seven, that's a one score game. Twenty five, twenty one score game. Nineteen to seventeen, those were the three wins. But the th- the then you lost four in a row after that by one point, six points, four points, and eight points. So again, one score games. You know, were the games that close, or you know, it's you know, what was the reason for for those. Uh, you know, for that, for those skid, because everything kind of came in bunches. You get the three wins followed by four losses. And then after the bye, you won four out of five before finishing the last four weeks. You lost three out of the last four. And that's because weren't the Ravens in the playoff discussion before those last four games came about? They were, they were, had they um, beaten the, uh, uh, the, the Steelers, I believe it was, they were, they were in. Mm. Yeah, because the, the only game, pretty much like the only game on the entire schedule that wasn't close or within a score or, or something like that was was the Week 17 loss against the Bengals with us 27-10 to in what proved to be a meaningless yeah. game anyway because I guess they were out of the playoff hunt at that point. Uh, anyway, but that's the only game that wasn't close. Everything else, you know, aside from there, because they had two big wins, one against Cleveland, one against Miami, huge margins of victory, but everything else was was close. So at least... The Ravens made it interesting where everything was close or within a score or two scores at the most. But, um, you know, six and two at home, two and six uh, away, you know, pretty much defined why the Ravens were a 500 football team. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's that type of thing. It's like I said, it's always always kind of bugged them over the last decade now uh, is, is on the road. They've always been really difficult. And, uh, difficult to win, but uh, I think one of the biggest things is they play up and down to their opponents. Mm, yeah, yeah. Some there, there are a lot of teams. I mean, that and, are, and I, you saw that last year. Yeah, yeah. You see a lot of teams that are guilty uh, of that uh, for a while. That was the that was the big knock on the Falcons there for a while. They could go round for round with some of the best in the league, but if they played, you know, if they played a, a lesser than, you know, or or when the when the Buccaneers weren't bad, they would go knock down dragouts with the Buccaneers for some reason when they should be blowing them out by thirty points. Yeah, exactly. And and, and again, same thing when when you're talking about uh, the Ravens last season. I mean, week three against the Jacksonville Jaguars, nineteen to seventeen. You should mm-hmm. kind of blow out the Jacksonville Jaguars by a fairly decent amount. Yeah. Cleveland Browns, twenty five to twenty. Again, I mean, it, you're you're more than a five point better team. Uh, but then week four against the Oakland Raiders, twenty seven twenty eight. I mean that that's you can't win to the the Cleveland Browns by five and then just barely squeak by losing to the Oakland Raiders, who at that point were one of the hottest teams in the league early in the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, just 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 a weird weird thing that the Ravens uh, uh, typically do when, when it comes to that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, what were some of the things that did plague the the Ravens? When I was uh, doing some research 
earlier today, and, and we'll talk more about this when we get to the off season. But uh, the one thing that they mentioned was um, that the the Ravens uh, ran the ball the third fewest times in all of the NFL. Was that an injury problem or a talent problem? Uh, it was kind of a little bit of, of, of each. Um, so along the offensive line, you've got Marshall Yonda, the, the right guard. He had injured his shoulder uh, and was ultimately pushed to left guard just to kind of stick it through the season because that's the type of, of player Yonda is. But when he's healthy, he's the best uh, right guard in the game and potentially one of the best uh, top three offensive linemen in the NFL. Even pushing him over to the left-hand side, he was still really, really good. Uh, but, you know, when you lose ultimately your biggest guy on the offensive line, that's, that's going to sting. Uh, and then in addition with that, they just they were pretty abysmal across the board when it came to running the ball. And the reason why they didn't run the ball as often as they uh, normally had is because, they, I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't hitting four yards a carry. Um, they, they were beyond, or below that. So when you're not able to run the ball effectively, ultimately they – they kind of stuck it in Joe Flacco's hands, which you know has its its pluses and minuses. And, and I mean, Ravens fans will will stick up for Flacco all day, every day. But you know, he, you give him a bunch of times to throw the ball. But as happened last season, you're not exactly going to get that huge separation in terms of uh, uh, touchdowns and interceptions. So it was kind of a if they couldn't run the ball effectively, if they couldn't go ahead and bully defenses in front. I, it, everything just kind of crumbled a little bit. And I think you saw that as the season kind of wore on, they had to kind of change their game plan a little bit and move and, and implement some different things in the passing attack to try and have some offensive movement. And a lot of that came to a tight end, Dennis Pitta, who led the uh, led all tight ends in the league in reception. So he was kind of uh, a quarterback, Joe Flacco's outlet valve for a lot of the passing attack. So when they couldn't run the ball, it kind of went through Pitta, um, which sounds great in theory, and it, it's great to have a guy that you can kind of rely on in the passing attack, give you a full-fledged offense uh, to, to kind of do anything with. So uh, about the midway into the season, that's when I start kind of changing things up and, and going more to Pitta, um, which helped, but wasn't everything they needed it to be. So, I mean, how was the overall injury uh, bug with the with the Ravens? Because I'm if I'm not mistaken, that's what killed 2015. You guys were 5-11 and 11 that year. Flacco went down with a knee injury. Uh, I know Steve Smith was one of the significant injuries that that happened. Wasn't that the the, the other time that Pitta hurt his uh, his hip? Um, you know, for that, was it 2014 and 15 that he hurt his hip, right? Yeah, I believe he, he hurt his hip in, in 2014. It kind of took him through 2015 to, to get himself ready oh, wow. okay. um, after that second hip injury. So, yeah, it, it was... He started, I think, four games, I believe it was, off the top of my memory. He got four games in, and that's when he, he hurt the hip uh, through a non-contact injury. But, um, I mean, injuries have, have killed this team for the last three seasons, uh, especially if you look at the secondary uh, defensively. I mean, it, it, for the last three seasons, they, they've essentially pulled people, if you've got two feet and uh, can fit into a helmet and pads, we're going to throw you back at our cornerback by, like, week eight. Um, it's it's gotten pretty bad in, in 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 regards to that, which is why they've done so much this season. For it. But I mean, last season you're looking at uh, Jimmy Smith, the the top cornerback they have on injured reserve, uh, and then three more cornerbacks in addition to that on injured reserve. Uh, you had an inside linebacker, you had uh, two tight ends, you had a running back, you had a tack or two tackles. Um, so yeah, I mean. It, they, they suffered a lot of injuries and a lot of key injuries at that, especially defensively uh, in 2016 that did not help anything. Um, and then you have Flacco, like you mentioned, coming off his knee injury in 2015. It, it takes a full 12 months just to get back to where you were. Sure. And even then, then there's the mental game to play on top of that. Right. Uh, so, so he kind of, you know, he, he, he had one of his best seasons statistically, but, you, you could see that something wasn't in, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent by that point. He, he is now, but um, last season, you, you're still trying to get back up to that. Uh, so even though he wasn't an injury last season, I kind of still count it. Sure. Sure. So going into, into the, into the off season, um, the, it, it very much reminded me so much of, of what happened 
uh, to the Bears in after the 2005 season going into the 2006 season where, um, you know, we, we, were, we were in need of playmakers on the offensive side, and then we spent the entire offseason adding to the defense. So, um, you know... <laughs> When 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 two of the biggest gaps on the off on on the Ravens football team right now is running back and another playmaker at wide receiver, your first four draft choices were defensive players, um, and the two offensive players that you chose were guards, not not skill players. So you solidify your offensive line. You try to make up for the loss of of Jeremy Zuta, who you traded away to, to the 49ers, to Rick Wagner, who signed with the Lions, so I get to enjoy him in division for the next several years. But, um, you know, and then your, your free agent moves on top of that, Brandon Carr from the Cowboys, Tony Jefferson, who I wanted badly in a Chicago uniform, signs with the Ravens instead. So you're, you're in need of offensive help, but Ozzie Newsom and company go heavy on defense, kind of like doubling down to solidify the defense, almost like in the 2000 mode where offense was weak but was being carried by the defense. Yeah, and, and that was kind of a frustration for a lot of fans here until just recently um, because exactly that reason. It's like the offense was the big thing that, that really needed the help. Of course, if you don't get stung by all those injuries defensively, the defense is pretty solid, um, even with all those injuries. They're, right. they're not a bad defense. But so, so adding those things, adding, adding Brandon Carr, uh, you know, cornerback, adding a, a safety – uh, Tony Jefferson, all that does is help solidify that secondary. So that way, when a guy does go down, uh, Tavon Austin uh, did, not Austin, Tavon Young, excuse me, uh, went down uh, this offseason already with an ACL injury. You have a guy that you can kind of push up into that room. So it's helped, and you can see the, the benefit of it um, already working now. But it, it is frustrating to go, look, you know, it's an offense that you keep touting is, is great with Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco is fantastic, and he's a great quarterback. You know, 35-year-old wide receivers to try to throw to and a tight end that has, you know, a bad hip. It's not going to cut it. it it's, you're not going to get that exciting 728 football games. And that's it's a little frustrating after 21 years of seeing that from the Ravens. You want a little offensive firepower here, especially when guys were on the market that you could have gotten if you didn't go so hard on the defense. But – in, in typical Ozzie Newsom, uh, general man- manager Ozzie Newsom fashion, things kind of fell into his lap. Yes, I mean that's as as much respect and love as I have for for Ozzie Newsom. That is what I say about that guy every time. He's either a genius or the luckiest guy on the face of the planet. Because so many times I've seen guys fall to him. Hell, it happened this year. Tim Williams following to, yeah. falling to the Ravens in the third round uh, of the draft. Um, the the Chiefs just randomly out of nowhere cutting Jeremy Macklin uh, like that. Now, granted, he didn't have a great 2016, but this is one of the better receivers in the league. Not they didn't ask him to take a pay cut, or at least that not that we know of. Anyway, they just they just cut him right there at the end of the of the off season, and there he is to get scooped up uh, by the Ravens. So you were able to add a little firepower, but it kind of cancels it out because you guys lose Pitta. Um, for good this time, I would hope for his sake, um, you know, had another uh, hip injury. So he is finished and they ended up cutting him to make room on the roster for Jeremy Macklin. And there's also rumblings that Eric Decker could be joining you guys as well. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, like you mentioned, it's, it's sometimes Ozzie Newsom just tends to be the luckiest man on the planet. And you can kind of go back a, a few seasons ago to Elvis Dumerville, a uh, fact snafu. Suddenly he's yes. off the Denver Broncos and you get him for a fraction of what he's actually worth because no one has any money. Same thing happened to Macklin. He's probably getting eight million plus a season. Now he's getting five and a half. Yeah, uh, you, you got him out of value. Same thing's probably going to happen for Decker. Now, granted, both of those players, uh, Decker and Macklin, have some injury history and, and there's some concerns there. But I mean, you're still going to get him at a fraction of what they would have cost in in April or or before that point. So, um. So, yes, just sometimes he just t- tends to be really lucky, but that's kind of the, the, the Ozzie Newsome thing, too, is, uh, you know, you see it in the draft. I'm going to let guys come to me. Somebody's going to fall to me. I'm going to get a great deal, and if I do that enough over the years, then I'll have a great team um, versus guys and teams that tend to go out there and hunt people down that fit their scheme and fit what they want and pay a bunch of money right. and then ultimately have mediocre te- teams because of it. Uh, so it, 
it's a philosophy that works, but it can be a little maddening if you're a Ravens fan, and it's really exciting on the back end when you're a Ravens fan and it works out. Yeah, yeah, no, I I have no doubt. I mean, like I said, I've you know this year with Tim Williams, regarded as one of the better edge rushers. I mean, basically, you know, he's going to be a specialty guy that just rushes off the edge because I hear he's terrible against the run. But you know, for him to fall to the Ravens in the third round. Um, you know, I, I've seen it happen before. I mean, even though you guys just traded him away, uh, Timmy Jernigan, is it Timmy or Tommy? Timmy Jernigan was somebody that I heard, you know, that was at that year, whatever draft that was, was a year that he was being mocked to be a choice for the Bears, you know, in the middle of the first round. I think yeah. it was 18 or 19 where they were chosen. He falls to the Ravens at like 56 in the second round, and, and there he is, you know, to be scooped up by uh, – by you know by Ozzie Newsom you know and I've seen that happen over and over again where he's getting first round talent late in the second round just because this guy just happened to fall through the cracks or he wasn't a need guy or wasn't a scheme fit or whatever and Ozzie Newsom is like well he's talented and he's available and he's the best guy on the board I'll take him and he's an all pro yeah and and I mean it, it's worked out for him to a degree, but I mean, Timmy Jernigan, I think, is, is the great example of what's happened to, to Newsom recently in terms of the draft. A guy who's supremely talented when he's on the field, but Jernigan was, was hurt pretty regularly and just never quite lived up to it. So, so it's, you know, sometimes with that stuff, it, it's with the draft, we can always go, that's a first round talent, but sometimes it never pans out. And that's kind of lately been the issue is sometimes sitting back and waiting for that guy. There's a reason why he's dropping that far. Um, and even if you don't notice it, or if you don't know it at the time, uh, it, it's kind of bitten him here and there, uh, which is why I think the Ravens have had kind of some trouble um, over the last three, four years. Some of those guys aren't panning out. Right. So anyone else in the in the draft? I mean, your, your your top draft choice, Marlon Humphrey, another Alabama guy, and of course Newsom, a alumni of Alabama. So no big surprise when he keeps tacking these Alabama kids off the board. You got Tyus Bowser in the second round. Chris Wormley in the third from Michigan. Uh, Nico Siragusa in the fourth round, the guard from San Diego State. Going to have to help me with your fifth round choice. Is it Illuminor? Uh, I was going to say, I'm never going to be able to pronounce his name. Guard from yeah, Texas A&M. Illuminor? Something like that. And then they they made it easy on us in the sixth round. Chuck Clark, the safety from Virginia Tech in the sixth round. So like I said, all defense and the two offensive players you get are not skilled players. They're, they're offensive linemen, um, you know, in a year where, you know, it was a running back heavy draft and there, were, there was talent to be had at a receiver position pretty much throughout the draft and the Ravens didn't bite once. Yeah, and it's, I mean, some of that, of, of some of those wide receivers going really early, I mean, John Ross to the uh, Cincinnati Bengals at number nine, and he was kind of thought to be a mid to late round first pick. So that kind of started running on wide receivers. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's and, and that was a huge frustration of, of during and after the draft is going, all right, here's all these offensive guys the Ravens can get. And then knowing really deep down that ultimately you're going to get a pass rusher or a defensive lineman or a cornerback or, you know, a- anybody but an offensive player that uh, ultimately matters. Because even, even the two offensive linemen, I mean, you're talking about their late-round picks, probably going to be depth players. Um, I mean, unless somebody completely wows you uh, suddenly – you know, those guys aren't going to see a starting lineup for a couple of years, hopefully. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's just a whole not, a lot of stuff that can't really be excited about necessarily offensively. But, but defensively, I mean, it, it's – you can see where they're going with it. It's another cornerback, and hopefully Smith and then also provide a little bit of depth uh, to a secondary that's, that's itself health, healthy. Uh, and then pass rushers. Guys to hope bring his 15th season in the league. He's not going to be around too much longer. You need to have a backup plan there to eventually take over for him and then also to take over for uh, Elvis Doomerville, who they, they waived this, this offseason. Right. Um, so you can see the plan kind of working, and it, it's, it's, it's difficult to be entirely pessimistic or optimistic about the draft at any point <laughs> right now. Right, because you guys got some great value. It's just uh, you know, yeah. not in the positions that you were looking for. You know, like you didn't get the, exactly. you didn't get that value receiver or that running back when when you could go into the third or fourth round and still get a quality running back and and the Ravens didn't bite at all uh, on it. I mean, it it basically your draft was the reverse of what I wanted the Bears to do, which was to go heavy on the defense to 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 do this to to build up the secondary to strengthen 
that up to you know to get some help off the edge and stuff like that and instead we went quarterback tight end running back wide it's like okay great so we 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 (laughs) so frustrated with with the way the draft i mean and of course you're hearing that these rookies are doing great things and that's fine you know in in otas when everyone's in shirts and t-shirts and shorts and and everything it's not too hard to be amazing when you're not getting hit but you know, uh, the exactly. real test comes later. And, you know, w- the other thing is, is that we're in rebuilding mode. We need impact players now. And we just did basically an entire draft of people that probably won't make an impact until next year at the earliest. So that's what was so frustrating yeah. uh, for me was that, number one, I wanted defensive heavy and we went offense except for, I think, we we drafted a safety in the fourth round. Kind of like with the Ravens, you know, we made our first, <laughs> they made their first offensive choice in the fourth round when you wanted to see some help on the offensive side. The Bears went on, went deep, went offense and then picked, uh, you know, a, a good defensive back probably would have been higher had he not had the injury pass that he had and Eddie Jackson, uh, the safety from Alabama. But, you know, I would have much rather that the Bears take Jamal Adams at number three instead of giving away draft choices, taking a quarterback we don't need yet. So. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I feel bad. Obviously, I'm, I'm on a Chicago Bears show, and I'm complaining about how poor our draft was. <laughs> and, and, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's that's that's fair. That's fair. Well, I mean, I hold out hope that Ryan Pace <laughs> is this hidden Ozzie Newsome-type genius, and we're all going to look like idiots in a couple of years <laughs> when, when Trubisky's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and uh, Shaheen, the, the, the tight end that we drafted in the second round, is the next Gronkowski or something like that. I hope that I'm eating every single word that I'm saying a couple of years from now. But we won't know for a couple of years in a in a year where we want to see some advancement. You know, we've been regressing the last yeah. four or five years, six and ten, five and eleven, three and thirteen last year, and a bad three and thirteen too. It wasn't a competitive, you know, we were almost seven and nine. It's like, no, we sucked last year. We were bad and we needed to improve and in a in a in a year where we we needed impact players, the Bears got a lot of depth, but not a lot, but no starters. You know the 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 people that they went after, um, they put bodies. You know, so basically they're bracing themselves in yeah. case we get, have the injury bug like we did the last two seasons. But you know the quality is is not better than the quantity uh, that they got. So that's just. I'll end my rant because this is supposed to be the Ravens show, not the <laughs> not the whine about the Bears show. We'll we'll save that for the end. But um, so moving forward into 2017, we take a look at the uh, at the schedule. Um, the first eight games, like the or the first nine, I should say, are like the Bears. First eight games, uh, you rotate between away, home, away, home, away, home. The first nine games are all. You're at Cincinnati, home for Cleveland. At Jacksonville, home for Pittsburgh. At Oakland, then you go to then you're home for Chicago. At Minnesota, home for the Dolphins, and then at Tennessee before a Week Ten bye. Are you a fan of the of the rotation, or would you like to see some home stands in there? I actually like the rotation. I mean, after after seeing you know guys go on the road for so long uh, over the last couple of years, and they had uh, the Ravens had a big West Coast trip. Uh, I believe it was two years ago. It's kind of nice to have that that back and forth a little bit. It's as long as there's no huge stretches where they're they're away, uh, and, and on the other side of the country or in in specifically uh, uh, terrible climates, it's kind of nice. I think you can. I think players can kind of rely on being home more regularly. I think they're going to play a little better because of that. Um, and I think ultimately, I mean, it, the bye week is in week ten. I think from a schedule standpoint, yeah, I don't think you could have asked really for a better schedule if you're Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing that I'm noticing, even though that it's home away, home away, um, aside from the trip to the UK, week three, when you're you're the road team against the the Jaguars. Um, well, actually, I take that back. You have to go to Oakland to play the Raiders. I was going to say that, you know, at Cincinnati, at uh, Minnesota, at Tennessee. These are not huge road trips. You're not going 3,000 miles, 4,000 miles across the country, but you are doing that against the Raiders week five. So that's that's the toughest road trip, I think, because the Raiders are a decent football team. Hopefully they will be again uh, this year as far as being one and done. Um, I'd hate to see that happen to them. But, um, you know, yeah. you have the, the Raiders on the road, and then 
you know, the, the, they're not big road trips at Tennessee, at Minnesota, you know, at, uh, at Cincinnati. So starting off with, with two division games, you know, those are the big ones right off the bat at Cincinnati versus uh, Cleveland there to, to get started to, you know, so there's no sleeping on this schedule because you got those division games that come right up right away. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm kind of a big fan of that. I mean, you got the Cincinnati Bengals. It ended with the Cincinnati Bengals last season and ended badly last season. So right. this is your chance. If you're, those, if you're the players that were on the roster last year, you get a chance to kind of take Cincinnati, and, and they haven't done much this offseason. So, you know, hopefully you're a better team than them just on paper to begin with. And you get to take off a little frustration of, hey, you know, you weren't the reason why we missed the playoffs last year, but still, take it. Um, and then after that, you get the Cleveland Browns, which, you know, while it's a division game, it's going to be harder. It's still the Cleveland Browns. Nobody's going to cry for Baltimore facing them uh, twice a season. Um, so, so in all reality, I, I think that's not bad. And it, that could be positive or that could be negative. But hopefully, and, I, and I'm going to be optimist here, hopefully it's positive. Hopefully it's, it's two division uh, wins and, and hopefully go ahead and take the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, as well. But, you know, so, so hopefully, hopefully by, you've got three division wins um, and then, the Oakland Raiders don't matter nearly as much uh, as they would if you lose to, to Pittsburgh or Cincinnati or Cleveland. So, um, so I'm going to be optimistic about it and, and say it's, it's going to be a good thing. Okay. Then you got the Week Ten bye, and then in the last what seven games, um, that's when you do get some bunches. You're at Green Bay to start, then you're home for Monday Nighter against Tex- uh, Houston, Houston Texans. Home for Detroit, at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, and then you finish at home the last two games uh, against the Colts, and then you finish the same way you start versus the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So you you're, you got three national TV games in there. The Monday Nighter, the Pittsburgh game is on Sunday Night Football, so that's one I'll definitely be watching. And then the Indianapolis Colts game is on Saturday. Um, and, you know to, That's usually a national TV game, if I'm not mistaken. And then, like I said, you finish with the Bengals on, on – uh, on New Year's Eve. So a decent schedule. I mean, I really like the schedule that you guys ended up with um, this year. And, um, you know, the, I, you know, the tougher games right off the bat on that bye week though, at Green Bay home for the Texans on Monday night football. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Green Bay Packers, is going to be a tough one regardless of where it's at or, or uh, what's going on because you've got Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, but, you know, everything considered, you're coming off of a bye week, so that's, it, you should be as well-rested and as healed up as you're probably going to be around that time of the year. So I, I don't right. think you could, if you, again, if you're Baltimore, I don't think you could ask for anything more going into arguably one of your hardest games of the season um, than, than to come off of a bye week. Now, granted, they've never never been all that great coming off of a bye week, so hopefully maybe they, they, they kind of redeem themselves on that. But uh, and then you got two home games after that before, again, another hard game in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, um, so again, hopefully, you know, it, it seems like the Ravens are going into each one of their really difficult games with some level of rest heading into it, whether it be the bye or whether it be two, two home games right beforehand, um, hopefully softening those blows. Yeah, and, and now that I'm looking at the schedule, it's three out of four uh, division games to start the season and three out of four in division uh, to end it. So, I mean, you're basically sandwiching the rest of your schedule between these division games at the, the front and back end uh, of the schedule. So, I mean, you've, you've got your rematch with Pittsburgh, your rematch with Cleveland, your rematch with Cincinnati, and you've got the Colts in there in the last four games. And then the Jacksonville game in the U.K., uh, between the Cincinnati, Cleveland, and then Pittsburgh after uh, Jacksonville. So, I mean, there's really no sleeping as far as cruising uh, in the schedule where, you know, you've got this point where you can, you know, put it on auto- autopilot and, and, and expect to get a win uh, or two. The, you know, the division games, because they are division games, are always going to be the tougher ones, and that's how you start and finish the year this year. Exactly. And, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm a kind of a big fan of that. Uh, I, I like starting off with the division games. Again, it sets that tone for season uh either it's going to step positively and cool we, we've got a lead on our division just a hopefully by wins alone and then as well division wins um really the the, the biggest test and the biggest uh, uh difficulty part of, of the season is going to be those final four games again like you mentioned it's there's your three division games out of the last four games and they're going to matter i mean pittsburgh steelers are going to be in a playoff hunt the cincinnati bengals could very well be in a playoff hunt cleveland's I wouldn't put money on it, but they're still going to try to knock you out of the playoffs. So, 
that's going to be the time of the year where it's going to be must-watch football from week 14 to 17. Every single game is going to be of the utmost importance. Yeah. Um, so what, where do you think the Ravens are going to fall this year? You look at the schedule, you know, like I said, it, it looks pretty good to me as far as, you know, like I'm, I'm really liking their chances if that defense holds up and you can, you know, get something out of, uh, you know, squeezes some juice out of Jeremy Macklin, maybe get some help on the ground. You know, I, I like what the Ravens' chances to at least make a run for the playoffs this year. When you look at the schedule, what uh, what record do you see? You know, it, it's it's difficult to say because some of it's so much of it is going to be uh, dependent on injuries. I think I think the offense is going to be a sleeper this year, uh, much more than than people are really expecting uh, for a variety of reasons. But I, if I had to pull numbers out, I'd say they're they're going to go eleven and five. I think. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna surprise some people this year. I, they brought in uh, you know former Buffalo coach uh, Greg Romans to go ahead and help kind of run the offensive line and running game and tight ends. Uh, he's going to be a big factor in it, and and they've kind of talked about how they've gotten rid of the finesse aspect of the zone blocking scheme, and they're going to beef up the offensive line. And we've seen it already. The guys are significantly bigger than they were in the last few years. Um, so I think they're just going to try to pound the ball right down defense's throats. They're going to use Macklin more as kind of a, a receptions machine, take over Dennis Pitta's uh, role where he's just kind of an outlet valve. And you still have Brashad Perryman and Mike, Mike Wallace on the outside to go ahead and take you deep. I think that offense is going to be surprisingly good. And then again, if the defense can stay healthy. Yeah. Sky's the limit. If, uh, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Sky's the limit if they can stay healthy. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, I th- I think that I mean, granted, the Bears were three and thirteen last year. They were six and ten the year before, but they were ravaged by injuries both seasons. So I mean, you know, talent wise, the rosters weren't that great, but they were better than six and ten or three and thirteen because of the uh, you know the people that we lost and how significant those losses were. You know, you guys probably feel the same way about the Ravens five and eleven a couple years ago eight and eight last season but you know the the injury bug's been a bitch the last couple of years for a lot of teams not just the the bears and the yeah. uh the ravens but you know it's it's always kind of shaken out like the two of the healthiest teams in the league were the ones still standing in the super bowl in atlanta uh and new england you know they had had their bites too but they were basically the the, the last man standing and uh there they were playing for the for the championship injuries play a huge role in how seasons go uh for for most teams that's exactly it. I mean, it's it's amazing that uh, I mean, even ten, fifteen years ago, you could have a few stars on offense, on defense, uh, and you could probably get yourself pretty far in the playoffs. Now, it doesn't matter who your stars are; somebody's going to get injured, and you're going to need someone who can step up and be maybe not as good, but pretty darn close. And you're going to need that in a few different spots. So you better have a lot of depth and a lot of really good depth at that. If you don't, you're going to start losing games left, right, and center, and. Uh, Sadly, that's what happened to the Ravens. But then again, uh, every team, every fan says the same thing about their team every year. If it weren't for injuries last year, we would have done something. So while I'm saying 11-5 now, uh, you know, that could turn around and bite me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, it's uh, it, it always happens that way. I've, I've stopped playing that game as far as trying to figure out records and, and stuff like that because yeah. as a fan – you can rationalize just about any schedule that comes out to 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 5. They can win this game. It's you know, it's in Chicago. It's you know, it's on the you know, it's on the road, but they play well on the road on Monday nights and you know, and just exactly. you can rationalize it into anything. You know, if you're telling yourself the truth is like, "Ah, eh, this is probably a 7 and 9 schedule here," or, you know, whatever. And you know, if you're being honest with yourself, but when people are listening, "Ah, 11 and 5, no problem. You know, make the playoffs." You know we're gonna we're gonna waltz right into the playoffs. We're not gonna back in or be a wild card team or anything. It's we're gonna own it this year. Yeah. Damn it. So, but um, you know I, I get asked this question a lot, and it's gonna change every week. So sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean that's you know as we get closer to training camp, and then training camp starts to happen, and then the first rash of training camp injuries start. Whether it's just somebody tweaked an ankle or somebody pulled a hamstring or. 
you know, somebody didn't come to camp in shape or, you know, something like that, then that's going to change it a little bit. Then you see the team play in preseason. Yeah, we'll give them another win. That, that, that looks more like a 10-6 and six team. And then, <laughs> you know, week one happens like, uh, I don't know, maybe 8-8 eight and eight after that first game. And, you know, it changes all the time. So it, it's a fluid situation when it comes to trying to figure out how your team uh, is going to finish. So, But I also – you know, at the end of the off season, have what I call the picks that stick show, where I try to predict how the season is going. I'm wrong every single year, so it's just it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> like I said, it's a it's a very fluid situation. It changes all the time, even with your own team. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I uh, the year they went five and eleven, I said if they could stay healthy, they're a Super Bowl team, and then just guys start dropping like flies. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how it always goes. That's uh, you know, bold prediction or not, something always happens. You're like, why this, is it just someone out to make me look like a fool because I made a prediction <laughs> and now everything is going in the opposite direction. I had to say something out loud, right? You know, couldn't just, the... couldn't just think it. I had to actually voice it out loud or people could hear me. Now it's all going backwards and I'm looking like a schmuck. So that's always fun. <laughs> So, Matt, thanks so much uh, for being uh, on the show. Uh, we look forward to having you back, let's see, week number six when the Bears and the Ravens uh, play each other. Um, so that's in uh, mid-October. So what do you say four months from now we get back together and preview this thing? Absolutely. Hopefully we're undefeated by then. Hey, that would be fun, you know, week to, <laughs> week number six and got some some decent teams, uh, you know, taking uh, you know, taking the field and uh, – in mid-October, that's nice when the weather is perfect outside that time of year. So it'd be nice exactly. to, to have it go down that way for it to be a, a, one of those nice, meaningful mid-season games. It'd be nice to to see that as opposed to, hey, it's the two and four Ravens against the one and five Bears, <laughs> and we're only watching because we have to. So you know, that's that's the only reason. I'm a fan, so I gotta watch, and I do a podcast. And what kind of idiot does a podcast when he doesn't know what he's talking about? So. Um, yeah, so hopefully it'll be one of those and we won't be comparing injury rosters. Uh, we'll be talking about how well, uh, our teams are playing. Cause, um, you know, the injury struck us early and often, uh, last year, as I'm sure they did for the Ravens, uh, as well. So hopefully we won't be able talking about, we won't be though. We won't be those guys that are like, yeah, we're two and four, but we should be, we should be four and one right now because <laughs> exactly. if, if Flacco hadn't gone down week number two, we'd, we'd easily won that game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the UK <laughs> and all the rest of that stuff. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll be healthy and ready to go when we, uh, when we, when we talk again, uh, in October. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. All right. So where can we find you, Matt? I understand you also do the, the Bengals wire as well. So Ravenswire.com and Bengalswire.com, uh, depending on, on who you fancy. Uh, and then you can also catch me on Twitter. It is Matthew S underscore NFL. Uh, or again, uh, I believe it's the Ravens wire uh, and then the Bengals wire on Twitter as well. So uh, you can catch us there or, or search for us on Facebook, uh, either one of those sites, and, and you'll find us. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks again uh, for being on the show. We look forward to uh, having you before week number six. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, Matthew Stevens for RavensWire.com, also BanglesWire.com, and uh, you can find him on Twitter as well, helping us preview the 2017 Baltimore Ravens. Once again, I want to thank Matt Stevens for being on the show. You can check him out, ravenswire.com, bangleswire.com. You can also find him uh, on Twitter. I think it was Matthew S, uh, Matthew underscore S NFL. And uh, follow him there on, uh, on Twitter uh, as well. So we, we, we look forward to having him back in October when the Bears and the Ravens uh, go head to head. It's... Um, you know, top of the schedule, bottom of the schedule thing with the AFC North. We got the Steelers week three, I think, and then the Ravens week six, and then the Bengals and the um, the the Browns at the bottom of the schedule, like week four, like 13 and 14, 12 and 15. So I think 16 actually for the Browns week 16 uh, is when we find when we see them uh, again. So it'll be, uh, you know, like I said, sandwiched in between. 
um, the uh, the top and bottom half of the schedule. So, um, you know, but we look forward to to having um, Matt back uh, on the show. Uh, but as we close the book on the Ravens, we move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Last year's division winner uh, went to the playoffs and uh, made a run for it, but uh, ultimately fell short uh, in the playoffs against the. Um, it was the. Did they lose to the Patriots? Damn, I'm gonna have to look that up. I should probably know that, but uh, I definitely will uh, when we have uh, Jeff Hartman from uh, behind the steel curtain from SB Nation on the show. Uh, hope to get him on um, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, somewhere in that area to uh, you know to try to keep the window between shows as short as possible. And then once we're done there. We move on to the AFC South, and Brian Beversluis from Catch Scratch Reader will start things off in the NFC South with the uh, uh, Carolina Panthers. And then we move on to the, I think it's the, as far as the order of finish, we go Panthers, Saints, uh, Buccaneers, and then obviously the Atlanta Falcons before we close things out with our NFC North brethren in the Packers, the Lions, and the Vikings. So, um, you know, moving things right along as here we are, it's already, uh, we're already getting into the second half of, uh, of June. Like today is the 15th tomorrow. We will officially be in the second half of June on June 16th. So, uh, it's going by quickly. It'll be here before you know it. Uh, I saw on Twitter, uh, earlier today, I don't remember what it said, how many days between now and training camp. I think it was in the forties, like 41 days from now, the Bears start camp, in Bourbonnais, the number that I do remember for a fact, 87 days from today, Bears Falcons on September 10th. So 87 days, 87 Musin Muhammad days between now and the start of the 2017 season between our Chicago Bears and the defending NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. So, um, you know, 87 days tomorrow to be 86. By the time most of you are hearing this, 86 days from June 16th is when uh, the Bears and the Falcons will kick things off. So looking forward uh, to that. And if you have, you know, more recent memory or if you want to punish yourself, 87 Kellen Davis days from now until the beginning of this. God, did that guy suck? Oh, my God. You want to know what pisses me off about Kellen Davis? That bastard has an as a, he's a Super Bowl ring. He has a ring. I don't. I don't remember if it was because he was on the Seahawks or if it was the Bron- one of those two. He was like the fourth tight end on the Broncos or the Seahawks, and he's got a Super Bowl ring, uh, you know, to to add to his NFL resume, which is not impressive at all. <laughs> but he's got a ring, and and people like Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs don't. So because life is fair, kids, it's fair all the time. So anyway, when we come back. Uh, Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain will be joining us to preview uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then, like I said, we go from there on to the NFC North and finish things out with the NFC, excuse me, on to the NFC South, then on to the NFC North to finish things out before we focus solely on our beloved Chicago Bears. And I'm still trying to decide who it is I want to have help me out with that this time around. So we'll, uh, we'll, uh, well, I'll see if I can get some new blood in here or if we'll go back to our good friends, Lauren Cox. Maybe get Jeff Dickerson back. Maybe even Ron Rugg, if he's still alive out there somewhere. Haven't talked to Ron in a while. Maybe he'll want to help out with the show this year. So we'll have to wait and see. So anyway, the next time we talk, finishing out the AFC North with uh, Jeff Hartman and behind the steel curtain with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.